Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Wednesday, middle of the week. Tick, 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 tick. Time ticking down to Christmas, the 9th of December. Good morning, 1857-15996, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. As we get closer Christmas. I want you to think about something that your own child or a child that you know might be a grandchild or the young le- young girl across the road or the young boy down next door. Something lovely that they've done because we're, we're growing up in a world where our children are growing up in a world where they now have to learn to be kind. Uh, because it's a tough and a hard old world, it can be a poisonous old place at times. So they have to learn how to be kind and we can teach them to do that, but sometimes they'll surprise us in the strangest of ways at the strangest of times with the most wonderful of tiny things. So if you have anything like that, let us know. And I'll be talking to Catherine Hallisey, our in-house child psychologist, in just a minute about kindness in children. Later, this message from a nurse to the government. I say no more. No more accepting that this is okay. No more saying this is the way it's always been. I will be talking to Amy in a while. And also there's been some change in the restrictions on partners of pregnant women. Uh, The restrictions uh, as a result of COVID-19 have been relaxed somewhat. And we'll be catching up with the boys and girls of Cher. They are going ahead with a collection this Christmas, which is great to know because it's their only collection, as you know. And they're going ahead with it even in these troubled times. Lots to be thinking about. Good morning, 1850-715-996. There's a piece in the Irish Times uh, yesterday that says there's nothing soft about being kind, that it boosts a child's well-being for life. And in these difficult times in which we live, and particularly the tough year that we've been through, more and more experts are telling us now that we have to teach our children to be kind because the world has moved on at a pace and just we might forget to teach them kindness. And it's kind of our job. And schools are teaching kindness up there with reading and writing and arithmetic. They're teaching kindness. You would have thought it was a skill we were born with, but actually it isn't. Catherine Hallisey, great to have you back on the show again. Good morning. Are you there, Catherine? Catherine? 
I am sorry. I'm here now. It's <laughs> all right. I was saying, I was saying, it's it's something that yes, it's kind of born. We're kind of born with an instinct to be kind, but you have to learn and perfect it these days. Yeah, that's the important thing. Look, we really are born with this. Uh, we are social beings, and we, as a species, we do better when we're connected with others and we're in a community. Now, unfortunately, lots of the way our society is set up is contrary to that. So in a sense, I think it's not that we're teaching kindness. It's that we're just trying to shift the focus a little bit from this, um, you know, this focus on our own happiness, our own achievement towards thinking about others, thinking about, I suppose, who is in your circle and also thinking about kindness towards people who are outside your circle as well. So I think it's really, really fantastic that, um, like I know the school in Clannacilty, they do this for the month of December every year, where instead of homework, children really, really focus on kindness. And I think it's a particularly good time of year to do it because, you know, we can all get caught up in what children are getting for Christmas and it's all about what they're getting and making them happy. Whereas this is proactively helping children think of others and about how your behaviour can be a positive or a negative influence on others. Yeah, Children learn what they see, though, Catherine, don't they? Now, that's the most important thing. You know, we've got to make sure that our actions match our words. You know, there's that old saying, you know, children were never very good at listening to their elders, but they always do what they do eventually. You know, they always copy what their parents do. So like if if parents or teachers are talking about acts of kindness, but then their own daily actions aren't in alignment with that, Mm. you know, then it's just cheap talk really, isn't it? So we have to live kindness ourselves. And if we can't, none of us are kind all day long, every day. But it's even the simple thing of if you notice some time where you weren't kind Mm. and modeling, then making a repair. So showing your children that even if you make a mistake, you can step up, you can change it, and you can then go back and be kind. And and never forget that they don't miss a trick. Oh, stop. It's unbelievable. You know, they're always watching us because that's how um, children learn how to be humans from watching the key adults in their lives. Whether that's parents, grandparents, carers, teachers, SNAs, childminders, everybody, you know, it's it's the whole community around a child. And there are many things in our society that are not kind and that are glorified. So we also need to be thinking about that, about the kind of values that we're instilling in our children. And I did a talk for the parents in my membership there this week, and we were really talking about how to have a values-based Christmas season rather than a gift-based Christmas season. And it was really about bringing it right back to the things that actually really do make us happy in the end. And it's having a strong community around us. And that doesn't happen by accident. That happens through thinking of others, doing things for others, as well as doing things for yourself. Now, I will anticipate messages coming in, Catherine, from people who will say, do you know what, lads, that's all very fine. But we don't live in the Lego movie. Everything is not (laughs) awesome. It's a hard and a cruel world. And we have to teach our children to be tough and resilient. And softness and kindness will be exploited and used against them. 
well, I, I don't think kindness is weak. You know, this isn't about permissive parenting, about in, in actual fact, it's the opposite. This is about having high standards in all areas in terms of how our children behave to one another, how they behave to adults, how they behave to the environment. And really, it's not our job to prepare our children for a cruel world. It's our job to empower them to make the world less cruel. Can I pick you up on that for a second, Catherine? Because I very rarely disagree with you. And I know know you're a parent, as am I, right? Yeah. But particularly my daughter, my son, for reasons that you know I've explained before, he'd be with us most of the time, so that's okay. But since she was old enough to understand, I've been trying to drilling it into my daughter that this is a hard, hard world. And, And people are not always going to be nice to you. And they're not always going to be kind to you. And you have to be tough and resilient. Am I making a mistake? No, and what you're saying isn't different to what I'm saying. You know, it's it's not that you tell children the world is fairyland, you know, and everybody's kind. It's that even when people aren't kind, you can still be true to yourself. You don't have to drop down to the lowest common denominator. You can still stay true to your core, which has the values of kindness and compassion, while also not being a pushover. It's, you know, it's really having very strong boundaries. And I totally get that you were saying that to your daughter. I also say to my own children you know, and really, really work on resilience and that people do horrible things. Mm. And even when they do that, you still have choices on how you respond. You know, you don't have to be horrible back. Definitely don't be a pushover, but you can still stick with your core values of kindness. Because we all know the times when we have given in to our baser instinct. Oh, yeah. And it leaves a mark on you. You know, it's like you've got this energy tied up in it. Yeah, you, you you lose it uh, and you use unparliamentary language and the problem <laughs> seems to go away. But then an hour later you're going, I really shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah. yeah, instead yeah. of it being done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like whereas if you stick with your own core values and if you're able to stay kind and compassionate and understanding and saying, look, God knows what's going on for that person right now. There was another article in the Times, actually, uh, along the same lines that I said I might bring up with you. It was a list, it was written by Sheila Wayman. It was a list of 13 things that we as parents can do to raise kind children. Yes. Uh, and for example, obviously we've talked about lead by positive example, parent with kindness, start early and keep it up. Do random acts of kindness, just do nice things because they're nice. We get that, but here's one. And I know I'm the, I am formerly the parent of teenagers not so long ago, and I know that many of my listeners are parents of teenagers. Don't try to match a teenager's frustration, to which my answer will be, if you don't stand up to them, they'll kick you around the place. They'll walk all over you. <laughs> and they will. She did. You know, um, I was, um, I think I was a rather frustrating teenager. And if my parents had challenged me, if they had matched my frustration in every moment, I don't know what way that would have turned out. You know, it's sure, isn't it the same in all our relationships? You know, you pick your battles. Don't get tied up in the small stuff. And I have one of my best phrases ever, if I do say so for myself, is the thing is never the thing. So if your teenager is fighting with you over something, usually it's something else is going on. 
look, they're, they're frustrated, maybe they're feeling like they don't have autonomy. Maybe something is going on with their best friend. Maybe they think someone is after dropping them. That could be really the thing. Yeah. So if you, re- if you match that frustration and even go one step higher, as we're often tempted to do, you miss that opportunity for connection. You know, and again, it's about having those, this high structure, high nurture approach to parenting, plus all relationships. You know, if, if your teenager is giving you cheek, you can compassionately hold the line and say, I know you're really frustrated. Talk like that. Is there another way you can say it? You know, so you're like you're really still holding the boundary. You're also using it as an opportunity to teach. And then you may follow up and say, look, is there something else going on? Yeah. And also, I think finally, Catherine, you know, when we're trying to encourage kindness, we should reward it. Oh, I actually had that done as my last point that I wanted to say. The research is that we mustn't reward acts of kindness. Yeah. So the reason we the reason we shouldn't reward acts of kindness is because then it shifts the child, a young person, out of doing the act of kindness for doing something good. Instead, they're doing it for reward. But you can, can you acknowledge that, it though? Say so that was a very kind yeah. thing you did to your, for your brother there or for the, yeah, your friend you there. Can, and what you can do is, if you want to just up level it a little bit, you can say, "I noticed when uh, when you brought the teddy to your sister, I saw her face. I saw how her eyes lit up when she realised you saw her and that you did something kind for her. You're bringing the focus onto the um, impact of the action rather than I think you're really kind." Because sometimes when we put these global statements on a child, the child is thinking, well, actually, you don't know what I did there earlier, and that was really not kind, but I'm going to keep quiet. You know, so it just it's just a very, very subtle difference. So when, um, you know, it's like you see all these videos posted online of somebody giving someone who's um, sleeping rough 100 euros and they're filming it to put up for all the likes and shares. Mm. You know, that's not a true act of kindness. Mm. That's doing it for for outside reward. Like a true act of kindness for, is where you mm. do it for the impact on the other person. Nobody knows about it. And I, I, there's a lovely thing you can do, which is hidden acts of kindness, where you the goal is for nobody to know that you did it. Yeah, yeah. And It'll be between you and the person on. you did it for. Yeah, and that it's it's like it's a bit like Secret Santa. You know, so for it's a lovely one for children to get in on because especially younger children, they can get really into it. It's almost like they're a, a spy or a private detective trying to do these acts of kindness. Yeah, that's the, actually the, the, the Woody's Christmas ad just to finish. The, the Woody's Christmas ad, which we played last week, Mrs. Higgins's gate. That's lovely for that reason. Oh, I haven't seen it. It's since. a simple act of kindness Google where his, his neighbour has a squeaky, creaky sticky gate and he pops quietly off to Woody's and he gets himself a little screwdriver and a little can of oil or whatever he needs and when she's gone out to get her pension or whatever she does he gets in, fixes the gate and when she comes home, the gate opens quietly and easily and he looks at her and goes, Happy Christmas Mrs. Higgins Oh, that's beautiful Yep, that's (laughs) the kind of kindness we need. Listen, Catherine, always a pleasure and if we don't talk before it, have a wonderful Christmas. You too Talk to you soon, PJ. Bye-bye. Take care. That's Catherine Hallisey, resident uh, child psychologist. She has her own Facebook uh, programs and pages. Just Google her. Uh, you'll find her on Catherine Hallisey on 
Facebook. Always a pleasure to talk to Catherine. Gillian has been thinking about kindness already. Hey, Gillian. Hi. What, Hi. what story have you for me? Um, well, my daughter Grace is seven, and then she, like, she's as good as gold. Um, she, during first lockdown, she was saving up for a new bed, and she had a hundred euros saved. But listened to Katrina Toomey on something or other, and decided like I want to give my money to Penny Dinners, so she donated the money to Penny Dinners, and she's with her brother Kieran. He's nineteen months. And he's only just learning to stand up now because he has a deletion of chromosome 11 which okay. affects his physical development and he's loads of exercises every day. Okay. And she, she's, like, she's constantly just playing with him and doing exercises and she's just like constantly happy to give to other people and even if she had a pack of sweets, she's straight outside to her friends to share, shares everything like she has. Even her sister, big sister, who's 19, like if she had a bar of chocolate, she'd divide it up equally between everybody in the family. Do you know, it's just constant, mm. every day. Well, that's, that's, kind. that says a lot about you too, Gillian, you know? Because it's from you she gets those values. I know everyone says that, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone says that, but if I had a bar of chocolate, I'd hide it till the kids were gone to bed. <laughs> uh, well, that's because we all know what kids do when you open chocolate, but in all seriousness, you know, the values that yeah. our children have... And we should never forget it as parents. The values oh, that yeah. that they have, they get from us. And and if she's remarkably kind like that, you know that niceness is a niceness that she that she learns from you. I hope so. Yeah. Thank you. You are you're very welcome. And uh, take take care. And she's, thank you. She's a, she's a great youngster. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Thank you, Gillian. Yes, it's important to teach our kids how to be kind to themselves emotionally and mentally because they learn to pay it forward from their souls. Showing self-compassion is just as important as showing compassion to others. Uh, Mags says, I know you guys have been following the Heart Angel campaign. Yes, so we talked to Bevin's mom. Children have been carrying out acts of kindness in honour of Bevin O'Connor. As have I, the acts of kindness being carried out by children all over the country would warm your heart. And we're looking for a few of them this morning. Little stories there like like Gillian. I'm thinking of the, the little girl who her mom, her parents, her dad won one of our 500 euro Smith's Toys vouchers in the 10k toy giveaway there in the last couple of weeks. And she went and she bought with her voucher a load of toys for the kids in Penny Dinners. You know, it's the little children will teach us maybe the things that we've forgotten about this rough, tough, rambunctious old world in which we live in a very hard year in which we've all put down. So if you've got a little story, it doesn't matter how daft it sounds to you, try us. 1850-715-996. There's been some progress for partners of pregnant women uh, trying to get in to help them through the, the various elements of being pregnant. We're talking to Linda Kelly about a week or two ago when she handed in a petition. There's been some movement, not a lot, but some. Next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. 
It was last week we talked to Linda Kelly about the petition being handed in at CUH. It made television news, it made the newspapers as well uh, last week. And there seems to have been some move on it, according to Harry McGee, writing in the Irish Times. He said the HSE has bowed to a campaign to reverse its prohibition on partners of a pregnant woman attending maternity hospitals for their 20-week scan and for surgery. Linda, good morning. Some move, but not enough, you're saying. I think that's it, PJ. It's very welcome. Don't get me wrong. It is absolutely so important for women that they have support at that scan, which is absolutely nerve-wracking for any pregnant uh, parent. But, you know, there are, there's a lot more to do. You know, the 12-week scan is just as nerve-wracking for Mm. people. Uh, You know, there's still women all across the country receiving bad news at those scans on their own. Um, You know, there are people who are in hospital with pregnancy complications, not allowed to have any visitors, and they might be long-stay. And then we also have then the issue around, you know, when a partner is allowed in during the birthing process, and they're making these arbitrary distinctions about you have to be X centimetres dialed before somebody can come in and you know like it's over cynical isn't it it is it is and I think like what what I find kind of not amusing is the wrong word for it now this morning but I suppose I did have a wry smile when I heard the HSE saying we're we're reclassifying partners as essential support for the 20 week scan and I'm just wondering has anybody in there had kids because (laughs) you know when you're pregnant it's 40 weeks and you need support right throughout the process and in the weeks after the birth as well Mm so kind of just picking this one element of it like it is is a welcome change and I think it shows maybe um, that there is now a move within the HSE leadership to take on the maternity hospitals Mm. Um, and that's the other point I'd like to make PJ as well is this is coming from national HSE this isn't coming from local maternity hospitals so it will be really important now particularly here in Cork that CUMH don't go rogue and that they don't decide not to implement the new directive from the HSE nationally. See, people forget that, Linda, don't they? That the the hospitals themselves, first of all, the the change in restriction varies from hospital to hospital. Mm -hmm. And that COMH has had, since the very first day of this, some of the harshest restrictions in the whole country. Absolutely. And I think, to be honest, unless you're engaged with the HSC in a professional capacity, it's very difficult to understand the management and governance structures. Um, you know, what they created in 2005 in terms of a national health service, then setting up systems to go back to regional decision making. You know, it has been an absolute mess and it's made it very difficult to get decisions made quickly. So CUMH is part of what's called the South-South-West Hospital Group and the management there are based over in the old Aaronville Hospital, ironically a maternity hospital. Um, and my kids the, were born there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as was my niece. I remember going in to, to see her 20 years ago. Um, but the maternity hospital and the maternity services in Kerry and Waterford, South Tip, um, they're all controlled by what's called the Women and Infants, Infants Directorate. And that's headed up by Prof John Higgins. Mm. So 
he answers to the South West Hospital Group, who answer to the HSE nationally, and it's the HSE nationally who have changed the guidelines. Um, and they'll now roll it out to the 19 maternity units. And mm-hmm. there's various kind of different management structures. So it's very, very difficult. And the ordinary woman who's going in to have a baby doesn't know any of this, doesn't need to know mm. any of this. Could it be, Linda... Uh, and maybe one of the reasons that CUH has been so regimental since the start. Could it be that it is the, the, the centrepiece of the maternity services for such a vast area of the country, such a huge number of people? Could it be that they can't possibly countenance the risk of an outbreak getting into CUMH? Well, I think that's definitely one of their concerns and particularly around an outbreak amongst staff because if you have an outbreak amongst midwives or amongst uh, sonographers who do the scans, Mm. well, then it's very hard to replace that. And isn't that maybe why they're being so restrictive? I think that's part of it, but there are other solutions to look at that, PJ. So, you know, the HSE made a big song and dance at the start of the pandemic around, you know, Ireland on call and come home for Ireland. Part of the reason that's an issue for the hospital is because they have been understaffed and underfunded for a long number of years. And I do think some of that is going on behind the scenes, you know, between HSE nationally and maternity services, because the cracks, we all know this in terms of our health service, The cracks that were there before the pandemic have just been pushed wide open now in trying to deal with COVID. And that's across all services. It's not unique to maternity. Um, You know, that's there in the screening programmes, in cancer services, in all of them. You know, we've seen that throughout. And the answer to that isn't to take away the support system for a pregnant person. Okay. So we've had some move. I think myself, looking at looking as a lay, as a layman, I'm looking, saying, well, if you can do it at a twenty week scan, next mm-hmm. logical thought is, well, you can do it for a tw- for a twelve week. Absolutely, and they're actually the two scans you have. Other scans you might have during your pregnancy are only if they're clinically directed. Um, so I think definitely uh, a lot done, more to do. Um, but I think the HSE need to know, and if they're listening this morning, as I'm sure there are some in Cork, you know, they shouldn't underestimate a group of determined women because we will not be set aside on this. We are going to keep going until we know that our friends and our family members who are going through these services have better support than we had this year. Okay. Linda, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. That's Linda Kelly, 1850-715-996. So some move at the hospitals, not yet. It's some move directed by the HSE. There's still no obligation on any hospital to follow the HSE directive, but the HSE has now said that the partner will be allowed in for the 20-week scan or for any surgical or urgent intervention. But there's a 12-week scan, there's other things, so maybe more move, movement needed. A reminder to you that we're back with Carob Oil all this week, another daily qualifier going forward today to win one of three 500 euro vouchers from our friends at Corrib Oil at the end of the week. I'll be giving you a clip of a well-known Christmas movie. I'll give it to you before the news at 10. One clip from a very well-known Christmas movie and you need to tell me what the movie is and we'll pick a winner at 5 to 12 to go forward to the draw on Friday. 1850-715-996 Some more stories coming in of acts of kindness and 
how children could show us a way to be kind that we might have forgotten as adults in this tough old world. But a sad story that I read from A.D. Roach's Chernobyl Children International. A.D., good morning. How many years now have the children been coming? Well, they, they, well, we're in operation 34 years and we've been bringing in kids for 34 years. But it's only 20 years we've been bringing them in for Christmas. And to be honest, PJ, for us, we didn't care about the, the actual date, the 25th of December, once the children were in. Because that was like Christmas Day all in one, the true meaning of Christmas. You know, opening your home to the passing stranger you know, the joy, the happiness, the the sheer um, love, I suppose, you know, that captured the heart of the nations year after year. People often stop me on the street, even in the middle of the summer, PJ, and they'd say, oh, I love when I see the children come in because it really means Christmas is here. And unfortunately, PJ, because of COVID-19, we've had to cancel the, the Christmas um, airlift this year. So I have to say, PJ, that there are some heartbroken children, of course, and on the Irish side, equally heartbroken Irish mamas and papas and brothers and sisters. And you were just saying there about how we can learn so much from our own children in their capacity to show humanity and to show love. And, you know, I could equally say the same in relation to this. I mean, for all of these decades, Ireland has been such a giving, loving country to these children that have been forgotten by the rest of the world. When you think of the things they've been through, the terrible things they've had to deal with in in their young lives, you know, the the long-term effects of the the disaster of Chernobyl and, and, and passed down from that generation to theirs, to think that it's stopped by a bloody virus... I know, absolutely. And you know, there there are so many similarities between radiation and the virus because both are invisible. Both of them are all pervasive and they don't recognize, you know, um, children or adults or teenagers. You know, the virus is all consuming and it invades everything. And unfortunately, when it's invisible, you know, like radioactivity, you can't see it, taste it, touch it. And yet, it does its insidious violence to every aspect of the cycle of life, but at least there's an end in sight with the virus. With radioactivity and with the effects of Chernobyl, and you touched on it there, PJ, when you spoke about it passes from one generation to the other, it is indeed intergenerational. And now we're seeing the third generation, like the grandchildren of the Chernobyl tragedy, because it seamlessly passes through in the genetics and of course it's also there in the food chain and like when you think of it those who are most fragile those who are most vulnerable in any society but most particularly in places like in the Chernobyl area of Belarus for example where you have a lot of children abandoned and in state institutional care they are absolutely far more at risk than anybody else. They're the lowest in the pecking order and because they have low immunity to the virus. And then piled on top of that, the one thing that they dream about from being here in the summertime is coming for Christmas. And they believe in Santa Claus. And for many of the families, they, like it's like they're another member of the family. Yeah. And they will so miss them this year. Many people, people forget, A.D., that yeah. the, the same child comes to the same household 
year after year. Absolutely. And there is such a bond. I mean, PJ, I'm just thinking now there's one lovely family up in the west of Ireland there, up in Castle Bar, the Cox family. And they have a very disabled Belarusian son. We call him in inverted commas, their fifth son. And they're really saying that, you know, he had progressed so much. He was like a feral child when they, we found him in the institution. No communication skills. He could only bite or spit to get attention and they have brought him into this fine young gentleman now who's who's coming on 17, 18 years of age Fantastic. and he's been coming all of that time. But they're going to lay a place for him at the Christmas oh. table. But you know, PJ, like where there's life, there's hope. And while we've been sort of knocked out on round one during the first lockdown, and we had to cancel the children coming in during the summer. Oh, and yeah. that was really heartbreaking. Now we're having to do it again for Christmas. But we are certainly not out. We are so driven by this. We are. We have still got all of our programmes are running right across the region. Hospice care, community care, all our medical programmes, our children in foster homes, all of the various things that we're doing are continuing yeah. despite the virus. And, and, and what is Operation Santa Chernobyl 2020, Eddie? Ah, well, now there's something lovely to talk about. Well, we all believe in Santa Claus and we kind of said to ourselves, my God, what are we going to do for the children in the institution when they can't come to Ireland and they meet Santa Claus? The second they get off the plane and arrive into Dublin or Shannon Airport, Santa Claus is always there with his elves and presents and everything and Christmas begins. So what we're going to try and do, and we're doing it this week, actually, we're packing a container. Now, it's going to be bringing Santa gifts for the children children but most importantly too it's actually bringing vital medicines it's bringing nutritious food bringing ppe and everything sanitary products everything that the children need and we are going to race it by sea and get it in time for russian orthodox christmas and that is going to be going on its way in the coming days we want to send christmas to the children of chernobyl this year and we're hoping that, as always, the people of Ireland will row in behind us and help mm. to make that happen. Now, the, con- the container is full. So that's the, the container is full and packed. And as they say, all that's left is to put the ribbon around it. But you need help to get it there. Exactly. It's all exactly. And to be honest, um, we haven't we have enough uh, well, enough um, ev- of everything of, of humanitarian aid to send a second container if we had the wherewithal to actually send it. It costs about five grand to send a container. So ideally, we would love to send two. So this is what the Operation Santa Chernobyl 2020 is all about. We can still fill the second one and get it out there by sea and by road. And if anybody wants to support that initiative, PJ, would you allow me to call out our website? AD, be my guest, girl. Be my guest. Oh, thank you so much. They could actually phone us on four five five eight seven seven four or they can send us anything or contact us on www.chernobyl international.com Chernobyl international.com We'll write and that we up there on the screen, Terry, and I'll give it out uh, oh, during the morning. And 021 Do you know what we need? Do you know what we need, Eddie? Is we yeah. need some corporate sponsor to come up to get at least one of those containers out there. 
There's got God. to be somebody listening. There must yeah. be. And we're, talk, we're talking on the show this morning about kindness. Is there some corporate sponsor who would help you to get at least one of those containers away? Oh, wouldn't that be magic? Wouldn't it just? Wouldn't it just? Can I I just say, I mean, you're saying your show is all about kindness and goodness today. And like in the run up to Christmas, I suppose, which is our kind of personal time for reviewing our year and how we live our lives. And we've really, really had a tough year. But you know something? I think it also brings out the best in people. Christmas is all about love. It's about family. And it is about that most enabling gift of all, which is the gift of hope. And by doing this for others... We also do it for ourselves because they are part of the same human family. There are sons and our daughters, our brothers and our sisters who have been absolutely cut off by the rest of the world, except for this little island of ours with our compassion and our sense, a deep sense of conscience and responsibility. And I have no doubt, PJ, that people will support us. I am hoping for that myself. I let's, really am, let's, PJ. let's see what we can make happen. Aidy, thank you very much and congratulations on the work that you continue to do. That's Aidy Roach from the Chernobyl uh, Children's International. And they need to get those containers out there. They've definitely got one full. They could fill a second one. It's money to Transport them is what they need. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover on Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. What we play. With Cork Dental Care, take the first step to smiling with confidence. See CorkDentalCare.com. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. In between all the stuff you need to know, all the news of the day and beyond, we're looking for your stories of kindness this morning, particularly the kindness of children, but not necessarily. Mel, lovely story this. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. What happened? Um, So it was three years ago now, um, about three years ago. um, I had just had my baby. Um, she was about a week and a half old and I had to go into Cork City um, because I had a family wedding the following week so I needed to find something to wear um, and it was a rainy Tuesday, it was just miserable I think I have, was having a bit of an overwhelming day, mm. um, I was very emotional, <laughs> I had just had a baby so I hadn't a clue what I was doing, she was my first so um, I stopped off in the Starbucks on Princess Street and I rang my sister to kind of talk me off the edge I suppose um, and I was obviously very visibly upset on the phone, meanwhile trying to feed Harper while I was sitting there. And um, 
there was these two young people sitting across from me, um, one girl and a guy, and she was wearing a UCC hoodie. Um, and they kind of got up to leave, and I thought they were leaving, and she came back down while I was on the phone, and she put a coffee, um, a cup of water, and some tissues in front of me, and said, um, I hope your day gets better, but just know you're doing a great job. Oh, um, for God's sake. And I... I was so overcome with emotion because I was already emotional. I didn't even have a chance to thank her. Um, I didn't find out who she was. I didn't know who she was. But it's just a story that has stuck with me um, for three years, basically. Um, And so much so, I saw a girl um, behind me in the McDonald's drive-thru. I was getting a coffee two weeks ago and she looked like she was having a really, really rough day. And it just kind of brought me back to that day that I was having. And I paid for her, her whatever she was ordering. Um, oh, that was lovely, to, Mel. To the so it kind of inspired me to uh, have an act of kindness, but it kind of drives me a bit crazy that I never found out who this girl was, but she has no idea how much that one act of kindness that day meant to me because it just, I kind of dragged myself out, I kind of wiped away the tears, I got up and I went out and I found my dress <laughs> for the wedding <laughs> um, that at, for, at the, the next hour. So, um, yeah, I just, I'm kind of gutted that I never found out who she was. But again, she was just a student. She what, what time of the year was it, Mel? Um, it was, um, it was, I think it was the end of August. So I think they had probably just gone back to college. Right. She, had a, she had a bag on her back and there was right. a young guy and with her. And the UCC her. hoodie and a guy with her. Yeah. And she just walks up in Starbucks. yeah. And, and kind of just, yeah, it just kind of really just made me feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a new mom. I can do this. It's fine. <laughs> It'll be all that okay. Well, that was a lovely thing to do. And yeah, she may be, was. she may be listening. She may recognise herself, and certainly oh, the person behind you in the McDonald's queue may yeah. be listening as well. That's lovely, Mel. Thank you for that story. Thank you so <laughs> no much. Problem. How's Harper Thank doing? You so much. She's, oh, she's two, so she's ruling the roost. So. Ah, yeah. <laughs> she's ah, yeah. She'll, she'll wreck your house and break your heart, oh, but hey, come on. <laughs> yeah, she knows about Santa now and everything, so she's getting good, all excited. So. It'll be great. It'll be great. Mel, thank you so much for that story. 185715 185715 The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96FM. 185715 The number. The text to WhatsApp is 083 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Just before we kick off our second hour, I forgot to give you the audio clue for our giveaway with Corrib Oil. For the first time this morning, Corrib Oil, your local low-cost home heating oil supplier, available to buy at corriboil.com or Station Road, Ballincollig. But we're giving away three 500 euro Corrib Oil gift cards at the end of this week. It's a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas. We have a clip from a well-known Christmas movie. You need to tell me the movie and your name to 083 396 96 96. 083 396 96 96 with the name of the movie. I'll let you hear it a couple of times. I think today is a difficult one. This is one of the ones over whether they argue is it a Christmas movie or not. Although this one, this one is almost certainly a classic Christmas movie. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best you ever had. Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. What, what movie is is that all right? Will we go? We go again with it, Jeff. Yeah? What movie is that? Ask me anything you like. I'll tell you the truth. The best you ever had. Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. All right. You know what that is? Oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. And your name. 
Lovely story from Mel there before 10 uh, of the kindness. It would be great to find that student, but look, the student will probably have forgotten it, and but Mel never will. But look, let's throw it out there. If you were in a Starbucks in town uh, in or around August stroke September three years ago, and you saw a young new mom, very doubting herself, upset, maybe wiping away a tear, and you went over and you put a coffee in front of her, and you said, I hope your day gets better, then it meant the world to her, and she'd love to thank you if she could find you. Which is probably like trying to find a needle in a haystack, but sure, we'll put it out there anyway. And if you've anything like what happened to... That's, that's lovely. What happened to Mel? Did anything like that happen to you? Or did your... We're talking a lot about kindness this morning. Did your children or somebody else's children or a total stranger just do something wonderful for you? Christmas is a time when we talk about these things more than most times of the year and we're going to do it for this morning. We have a few coming in. I have another one there. I came in on WhatsApp. I'll get to it during the, the next hour or so. All right. 1850-715-996. Amy O'Reardon is from Mallow and she's nursing in Melbourne. But she's been following, as she would, this whole saga with the student nurses working on the, on the front line during the pandemic and not getting paid for it. She's been following that from overseas where she's now working as a nurse. And she put a video up on Facebook in the last couple of days. When COVID came, it spread like knotweed, making its way through the foundations of our healthcare system, exposing the cracks, pushing the limit of the structures already at breaking point. You turned to the most underpaid and underappreciated profession for help, the nurses. The students still learning overnight became professionals and stepped up accordingly, showing us the resilience of the up and coming and their outstanding ability. The nurses and their students did what they always do, dusted off the scrubs, got to work, accepted the shit, settled, dealt with it. There was a job to be done. And if there's one thing Irish nurses know how to do, it's get the job done. This time, they were seen. They were heard. They were applauded. But even now, when the opportunity arises, they will not be rewarded. Your words of thanks mean nothing. The echo of your applause accents the emptiness of your promises for better. From students, we are taught to accept it. Accept you will always be underpaid. Accept you will always be understaffed. Accept your patient load will always be too much. Accept the burnout. Accept you will have to move to a different country to receive the treatment that you truly deserve. I say no more. No more settling. No more accepting that this is okay. No more saying this is the way it's always been. It is time for you to look back at this year. It is time to appreciate the students and the nurses that every day get up and save this country from disaster. Every day filling the cracks in the foundation with anything they can find. 
holding up the walls with every last bit of strength that they may have. How much more can nurses and students do to prove they deserve better? When will enough be enough? There'll be a bit of a delay on this line because Amy is in Melbourne uh, where it's quite early in the morning. Amy, how are you? Good morning to you. Okay, it's evening time Good now, morning, actually. how are you? Yeah, evening time, 9pm here now, so... Very good, very good. That was a fairly strong video, Amy. Yeah, I guess you could say that. People had a, a very strong reaction to it, so... Mm. I was blown away with the uh, reaction to it online. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. How long have you been in Melbourne? I will be here three years in February. So, compare the difference between the two systems. I mean, here, you know, in the public sector, when you go on a ward, you have one nurse to four patients. In Ireland, the accepted standard is one to six. And I know that that is not being kept um, in mind or it's not being kept up to date. Um, I've talked to many colleagues that have moved here that worked as new graduates in Ireland and their nurse-to-patient ratio some days on a cardiac ward with very sick patients is one nurse to 18 patients. Um, so as you can see, that's a stark, stark difference to what we um, are expected over here. And we, it is taught here that, you know, four patients to one nurse, that you can give them adequate care, that you can be you know, seeing to their needs adequately, you know, um, speaking to doctors and taking all of that into account. One nurse to 18 patients is no doubt dangerous for the patients and the nurses. Yeah. And then, therefore, the nurses are then relying on students to help them in ways that they shouldn't be relied on. If, if you're working on shift with your four... The, the delay causes us a bit. If you're working on shift with your four patients and, and things get very busy, will you ever be forced to break that four patient rule? No, I mean, we work team on the war and obviously if someone that had their four patients needed more help, then of course, if your patients were stable, then you would be able to step in and help them. But as I said the other day, I'm working, doing a lot of COVID testing at the moment. And I have been on wards during COVID that were extremely busy and we were, you know, under a lot of pressure. And we would say to our manager, we need more staff. And the next day we came in, there were more staff there. Oh, wow. They call agency, they bring them in. They do not want to let the care that they are giving their patients slip due to a lack of staff. And was it that kind of a system that attracted you to Australia in the first place, or what was the reason? I mean, you know, when I first came to Australia, I decided to travel. I think it was really when I came here and saw the standard of care here and saw the respect towards nurses and, you know, your acceptance of a patient load. I could not believe the difference it was to Ireland. And the time the nurses in Australia have for their students to adequately teach them. And they are not expected to pick up the slack if they are understaffed. 
the students are there to learn and they are expected to be there to learn, not to be professionals in a system that, where they don't know all the answers. Yeah. Would it ever have happened, like when you look to home and you see what happened where the students were brought in and put on the front line during the pandemic, like would that, I mean, Melbourne suffered big time in the pandemic. Would that ever happen? And not that I, obviously I can't forever pass that period, but in my three years, no, I have never seen a student to fully nurse staff member. Yeah. Did it, when you looked back here during the pandemic, did it justify that in your mind that, you know, going over there was the best decision to make? I mean, you know, sometimes I love to come and I love to nurse home. I absolutely adore the job I do, whether it would be here or in Ireland. But it makes me sad to think that the standards would drop if I had to go back home I would be going from a system that is so strong and that has such regimes in place that I would be going back to a broken system again. And I feel after the year that it's been and the government now see the amount of work that students put in and see that the nurses are under such pressure and that they finally have this opportunity to give them what they deserve and that it's not happening is just, you know easy for me as a nurse over here but I can't imagine for the nurses and students in Ireland right now. Yeah. Have you a message that we just heard the Minister for Public Expenditure, Michael McGrath, a Corkman as you know, speaking in the news mm-hmm. and we're getting words like review and, and, and ongoing process and all that old stuff. What have you to say to the government this morning or this evening in Melbourne? Speaking from Melbourne, a Cork woman nursing in Melbourne, what have you to say to the government at home with regards to the student nurses and how they're being treated? I really have to say that, you know, I would love to one of the government members into a situation like the students are being put in to live on a 50 euro budget for the week going into work and getting a 50 euro pay at the end of the week and trying to do those 12 hour shifts and trying to keep up whatever the payment they may have for student fees or car payments and see how they survive and see if they could even survive in that. And I know that there is many that couldn't. These nurses are working in such savage pressure and they're now being told that you cannot work outside this you not only need this placement to go on and become a nurse, you can no longer make a living for yourself at the weekend. There is no one that could, should be expected to survive in that. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, just before I let you go, obviously, would you have come home at Christmas if you could, by the way? Oh, absolutely. A year I would be at home. Yeah. So that won't be happening this Christmas. Melbourne has been a tough place to live for the last few months, particularly July to September. But how are things now? Things now are, thankfully, um, we've had 40 days now, zero COVID cases. It was a long um, slog of 16 weeks in a hard lockdown. So, you know, I can empathise with all 
the nurses and the students getting out to work there every day at home. I know where you're at. I know how scary it is. I was lucky to come home to an apartment here where it's just myself and my partner. And I can't imagine those students and um, nurses coming home to maybe family members that, you know, are immunocompromised or elderly or have other issues going on. I just, I can't imagine the place they're at right now. And yes, I had it hard, but I feel at the moment it is, they're in a much harder place. And it's them that need the attention right now and they need to get the respect and yeah. all the um, treatments that they really and truly deserve. And tell me something, Amy, is life now, i.e. outside of work, when you go out to, say, have dinner with your partner or go for a, a drink at the weekend or whatever, is life back to some kind of normal now in Melbourne? I'm definitely getting there, yeah. Um, obviously, are mandatory indoors um, in supermarkets and things like that and in restaurants if you're up walking around, but it's definitely coming back to where it feels a bit more like old life. Great. Well, look, long may that continue. And, and long may you continue to represent Ireland as brilliantly as you do in the hospitals of Thank Melbourne. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you again sometime, Amy. Take care of yourself. Thank you, PJ. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. That's Amy O'Reardon from Mallow Nursing in the last three years in Melbourne. Would love to get home for Christmas, but won't. But making the case on behalf of her, her colleagues, as it were, over here, uh, who are just, she said, 50 quid a week for being on the front line. 50 quid and trying to pay rent out of it, and trying to pay for a car loan out of it, and all of that. John, you you have something to say about this. Good morning to you. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Try and get him back there, Terry. I'll take him after the break. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show, The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. Well, I had John on the phone, but uh, he's gone, unfortunately. He said there will be more restructuring needed before we jump into higher payments for nurses. The budgets that have been drawn up will be in place for the next two years. We need to be less emotional and more rational. We need to plan for more staff, faster treatment times, but we also have to see the effect that COVID-19 has on the economy and ask, can we afford it? That's from John. 1850-715-996. Seamus says, cherish your angels or else they will fly away. Finbar, talk about a brass neck. Did you see the Taoiseach's salary and those of their peers? They had their pay cut restored yesterday as they deny payments to nurses. And that came up in the Doyle as well yesterday. <clears throat> Michal Martin was answering a private member's motion by, I think it was Richard Boyd Barrett, who was bringing up the whole situation of frontline, you know, first year and second year students, student nurses being put on the front line during COVID-19, being put directly on the front line instead of just being the students there to learn, like Amy was saying they should be. Here's what he said to that. There are stories have come in and, and nursing uh, heads have received stories of where people have been exploited or allegations of exploitation and that shouldn't occur. The HSC are saying, no, that's not happening. We need to verify that. Because I don't think any first year student on a clinical placement for six weeks should be treating a COVID patient. I don't think anyone in this house would suggest that should be the case. It shouldn't be the case. The student should be there to learn. But it shouldn't be the case. And you shouldn't be saying it should be the case. Because if you're saying everyone should be paid, you're saying, yeah, yeah, let's go along with it. We shouldn't go along with it. We should not go along with that. I don't know what he was getting on at there because he couldn't quite hear what Richard Boyd Barrett was saying. But then he hit out at the motion that Richard Boyd Barrett was bringing into the Doyle with regard to trying to get the a payment for the student nurses. A motion achieves nothing in terms of public service pay. It achieves nothing in terms of, 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 of a degree programme. It's about political manoeuvring. That's what it's about, in essence. Uh, and you know that as well as I know that. You know that as well as I know that. It, 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 it's wonderful that you can boil it down to one slogan, to one hashtag. But public, public policy never gets developed on a hashtag. And it's time people realise that. Speaking of policy, these breaks are to be slammed on sky-high personal injury awards. There'll be a, a review of the insurance or reform of the insurance sector. I'll be catching up with Adam Higgins from the Irish Sun on that one in just a few minutes. But what do you think of what Michal Martin had to say yesterday about the, the student nurses? While we're on the subject and while you're thinking about all those things... We're talking about kindness this morning on the opinion line on Cork's 96FM. Here's a WhatsApp message that came in to us from Owen. Morning, guys. Just on the um, topic of kindness, uh, about, about a fortnight ago, my, my son, Jake, who just turned eight at the start of the month, he's in second class in the Gwales Skull and Carrick Line, they, they were giving him homework off one Thursday evening. But in, instead of homework, their, their homework was when they left school, they had to do a good deed. Um, so we, we moved into a, a new house in September and our neighbour, two or three doors up, had a fall recently and, and broke her ankle. Um, and when my son came home from school, he decided that his, 
his uh, good deed for the day was going to be he, he wanted to get his own wallet, get his own money, and he wanted to go and buy her a bouquet of flowers and a card just to say get well soon. So he came up with that all by himself and demanded to spend his own money uh, as well on top of it. Wouldn't let mummy or daddy do it, so he spent his own money. Um, and it was something that made both myself and his mum very, very proud. Um, and uh, it also brightened up the, the neighbour's day as well a little bit, so it was very nice of him. And it just shows the kids, uh, given the opportunity, they can be very, very kind. Thanks, Owen. And you can see why some people would choose to do a, a voice message for us, which is fine. If you ever want to do that on WhatsApp, just do it and fling it in. <laughs> you can see why poor Owen wouldn't have the necessary spare time to take a phone call or make a phone call. <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you. Comments coming in in response to Amy, one particular student nurse that's listening in. I'll read that in a wee while. Thank you. 1850 Let me go, though, to Adam Higgins of the Irish Sun, because the Sun has been conducting a campaign through its political pages over the last number of years to try to do something or enforce government to do something about the ridiculous payouts on compo claims here. Uh, you know, someone slips in, in the shop and the couple of bob that it would actually cost, it mounts up and zeros go onto it because the system is just so crazy. Adam Higgins has been trying to get that fixed for years and his colleagues in the sun uh, through uh, trying to drive the political agenda. Something's happened at last, Adam. Good morning to you. Good morning, yes. Something's finally happened. We finally had a, a break. Our campaign called Give Us a Break was trying to get your listeners and our readers, lower insurance prices. So we were trying to put pressure on the government to address the issues in the insurance industry so that companies would be able to bring down their prices. So companies have said for years that the payouts in Ireland are too much and that the the entire industry needs reform so that they can bring down their prices. And the government have finally made this big play now with their action plan for insurance reform. So there's 66 actions in this plan. And the government are looking to have them all done and finished in the next 18 months with Leo Varadkar yesterday claiming that the prices of your insurance will come down within the next year as this plan starts to gather pace. Mm. And that's across car insurance, home insurance, and particularly business insurance. But a lot of businesses forced to go out of business because they can't afford the insurance premiums. Your article today makes the point that personal injury payouts here are 4.4 times higher on average, than the UK, and that it, it just leads to more claims. That's right, yeah. I mean, even if you just take soft tissue injuries, which is a particularly uh, problematic place for um, not only the court system, but insurance companies. So something like whiplash, you can get a payout for €20,000 for whiplash here in Ireland, which is unheard of a price like that anywhere in, else in the world. And... It's something like whiplash is hard for a doctor to say it doesn't exist. So I could go into a doctor and say I have neck pain from being in this, you know, accidents with a car or whatever it is. And they can only believe you like they can't really. There's no test they can do to say that I haven't got whiplash. So that was one particular claim that you see quite a lot in the in the courts. And you can get paid out for up to €20,000. So the government's plan on this one is to reform something called the Book of Quantum, yeah. which is kind of like a, a guideline for judges on how much they should pay out. So they're going to bring down, try to bring down the payouts that the judges are giving out through changing this Book of Quantum. And 
Now, the one thing that the, uh, the government did say yesterday that if that doesn't work, they will legislate and create new laws to put a cap on how much people can be paid for particular injuries. Because we know, we've all seen the, some of the headlines in the papers over the years where someone, you know, breaks a finger or gets a cut or a graze and, and they get a, a crazy amount of paid out in courts. Yeah. I, I had occasion personally a few years ago to deal through the PIAB. Uh, process that I was dealing with and I was very happy with the way they handled it and dealt with it but a lot of people go right past the personal injuries assessment board they want to change that don't they they do and, and that's a good it's good that you have that ex- personal experience to, to be able to tell people about because not a lot of people know about the personal injuries assessment board and this board what the government are plans to do is strengthen that and make it bigger and promote it because they want people to go to that board because a lot of the time when uh, someone goes to the, the POIAB with a case, they get the same that they would have got, they get the same payout that they would have got if they had gone through the courts, and it saves them having to go through all the months and often years of, of legal cases and legal fees and everything else. So that's one of the things that the government wants to do is strengthen that POIAB, get more people going there to get a fairer and quicker process dealt with. Now, you can bring all these reforms in, um, you can change everything you want to change. But at the end of the day, Adam, insurance companies are private operations and they're under no obligation to bring down my premium for anything. You are bang on the money. So all of these, uh, these actions that are in the plan, a lot of them, the insurance companies have been calling for themselves and they've kicking, been kicking and screaming, saying we need this if we're going to bring down prices and we need that if we're going to bring down prices. But ultimately, at the end of the day, when the government gets all these actions through over the next 18 months, it's up to the insurance company to bring down your price. And I actually asked the Tarnished Aliyah Racker at the launch yesterday about this. I said, do you trust the insurance companies to go and bring down their prices? And it was quite telling that he said, there's nothing that the government can do to force an insurance company to bring down their prices. This is a regulated industry. The government can't intervene here. And so there is a lot of good faith here. But one thing that the, the government have done as part of this new plan is one of the ministers of state, Sean Fleming, he will be assigned particularly to helm the insurance companies over the next 18 months mm. and say, look, we've but done they this. They need a license to trade, there. Adam. They need a license to trade. So you do have political muscle there. Well, I mean, it could be, it, you, you talk about things like, you know, forcing them through increasing their taxes or licenses and things like that. But what the government has said is they don't, they're not out to get this industry. I mean, this is an industry that employs 28,000 people across the country in, you know, towns with insurance brokers and things like that and brings in a billion euro a year in tax. So they're, they're not out to get this industry, but they have put Sean Fleming on as kind of this um, guard to, he's going to be hounding the insurance companies over the next 18 months saying, look, we've brought down, we've brought in this, we've brought in that. How come your prices aren't coming down? So it'd be very interesting to see what he, he can do now over the next 18 months. On WhatsApp, uh, Ian says, Hi PJ, if people think insurance companies will reduce premiums because of this, they're living in cloud cuckoo land. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, There's not a lot of something... faith in it out there, you know, Adam. Well, can you really blame people? No, I mean, you can't. This, this, Jesus, this you has can. been going on for... I mean, I there's, nothing, know, there's nothing in this to, to combat dual pricing either, which is banned in other countries. No, that's a good point. The dual pricing, the, the government, it does mention dual pricing in the report, which is something that um, Sinn Féin's Pierce Doherty has been bringing up in the dog quite a good bit over the past year or two. And the, the report mentions that 
the central bank are looking into this and they're working with the insurance companies to try to address this. That, that, then, you see, that, that's the kind of nonsense you get, as you know, Adam, because dual pricing, just to explain for people, if I go to a company as a new customer and I buy an insurance premium from them, they'll charge me one price. But if you are a customer on the same package and you have had a claim for a year, you won't get the same price I get. Yeah, you're right. And look, I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, dual pricing is something that I don't see why the government couldn't ban it. And yet they have in this report, in this big action plan and big play to, clamp it, to bring down our insurance prices, they have said that they leave it up to a report. And I mean, we've seen over the past four or five years when we've been campaigning with uh, the Irish Sun to get your insurance prices down, we've seen countless reports come through the dog, through dog committees and watchdogs and everything else. And then it's led to four or five years of nothing until this plan. And now we've got this plan another 18 months yeah. to get this through. And ultimately, you're right on the dual pricing. It's just another report. Do you know what it is, Adam? What will still happen is when we know that our car insurance renewal is coming, there'll be a little silent prayer. When we know that any other insurance policy we have is coming in to be renewed, there'll be a little silent prayer that it won't go through the roof again. But listen, thank you anyway for that. That's Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. And this, they are taking credit. I think they're entitled to take a little bit of credit for this movement because they started uh, they started the Give Us a Break campaign a number of years ago. They've been at this now for a few years and they've exposed in their pages a string of compo chancers and they've been driving, Adam and his team, been driving the crusade for lower premium. Now look, if it comes, it comes, but we wouldn't be holding our breath on it. So we wouldn't. 1850 715 996. I can tell you, says Morris, my wife had whiplash, and for the first couple of months it can be agony. I understand there's a lot of abuse, but there are real victims too. Fair play, challenging the insurance situation. I just think people are a bit too flippant about it. Well, Morris, as Adam, I'm sure, and anyone would agree, if your wife had whiplash and it was genuine, then she deserves to be compensated for it and have it properly treated. But you can make up whiplash. And nobody can prove you don't have it. That's the problem. Whiplash is abused right, left and centre in this country by people who make it up. Because if, if I say I have whiplash, nobody is going to write down on a piece of paper that I don't. Because they can't take the chance that I don't. There's your problem. 1850 The PIAB, by, by the way... Um, personal Injuries Assessment Board. It's quite a number of years ago now, but I had a a small injury. I hurt myself and I had a case. I was told by my solicitor, you've got a case there. But look, before you go and take the case, why don't you go through PIAB and see what they do for you? Yeah, my solicitor said that. He said, look, if you're not happy with it, come back to me and we'll take it up. But go through PIAB. And he, you, you, you go to them online you fill it all out online. You've got to do a bit of work now to put your file and your package and everything together. And it takes a little bit of work and a small little bit of brain power to put it together. But you send off your file and I personally was very satisfied with what Piab did for me. Um, and I'd, I'd encourage anybody to try it for something small like that. 
1850-715-996. Back to kindness next. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Two Lord Mayors is a new play inspired by the extraordinary events in the city of Cork in 1920. It features the two men at the centre of those events, Lord Mayor Thomas McCurtain and Lord Mayor Terence McSweeney. The play will be staged as a live audio broadcast by the Everyman Theatre with tickets available from everymancork.com. Access all areas. Gilbert O'Sullivan was the superstar who topped UK and US singles charts in the 70s with songs of endearing tunefulness and unabashed sentiment. Today he continues to be regarded with tremendous affection and tickets are on sale now for an upcoming show at Cork Opera House taking place on September 11th. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. We started off this morning talking about kindness and, and how it's important to teach our kids to be kind. But you know, sometimes we can learn from them. And I've been asking people for their stories of kindness during the morning, not just children. A lovely, lovely story uh, in the in the first hour there about just someone who walked up to a woman in Starbucks and saw she was really upset and just put a cup of coffee in front of her and said, keep doing what you're doing, you're doing a great job and your day will get better. That was lovely. But Lorraine has sent us a photograph. What What are they doing in the picture, Lorraine, the kids? What are they doing? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Basically, what they're doing is they're hand-decorating Christmas cards. Um, we have 200 Christmas cards done at the minute, um, and they're just drawing a picture and giving a little message. Hope they enjoy Christmas and stay safe. Brilliant. And and who are they going to give them to? We're going to deliver them into Penny Dinners, so anybody that will be attending Penny Dinners on Christmas Day will receive a Christmas card from my family. Uh, so this is a little present for the people who will be going to the Miracle on Little Hanover Street on yeah. Christmas Day. Because I, I heard more about the plans. You'll know the story. It started here on the programme at the end of October when Katrina reached out to see could somebody help with Christmas Absolutely Day. amazing. Now amazing. we have a massive event work. planned. It's, it's really going so well. Michael Mulcahy and John Minahan and his team putting together, a, and, and, and Frank Sheehan, putting together a huge day for Katrina and, and the people that come to visit her and they will each get a Christmas card from your children. Yes, from my children. It's only something small, PJ. I wish I could give more, but look. But it's not something you know? small, Lorraine. It's, it's not it's something small. Gesture. It's a massive kind. I'm, I'm looking at them here and they're just, they're buried in it. They're down and their hands are full of pictures and little drawings and it's gorgeous what they're doing. It really it's is fabulous. lovely. It's fabulous. And mm-hmm. I suppose people... Whose idea was it, Lorraine? Um, you know, my daughter is 14, Kerry, and she goes to coach for college and she said, oh, we're collecting for penny dinners. And I said, all right, I'll pick up a few bits. And then I said, you know, I deliver clothes and I've 
done a few bits in the past, you know, nothing major, no, no, absolutely nothing major. But I said, you know, what about the people that are attending the miracle, you know, on Hanover Street? And I said, a small little gesture, a nice card, because, you know, PJ, sometimes in the past, just to receive a card goes such a long way. And yeah. personally, I know that. And I suppose just to say that we are thinking of them, you know. Lorraine, you and your kids are legends. I don't know if we're legends. They are. Do you know why? Because this is going to be such a big day. And this is a lovely little card that everyone will get. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. Thank you so much. It's it's such a kind thing to do. And 200 of them. There's there's hours and hours of work in it. Hours. Listen, (laughs) we have a schedule every evening. (laughs) When, When will you have them done? Uh, please go by next week yeah. early next week well do you know yeah. in, in different times and I wish we could and I know we can't in different times I would send the street fleet out and bring them in with you I'll take a picture of the day they were do delivered. please take a picture when you bring them in and I will forward it on to you straight away do do because we'd love to see it Lorraine thank you so much for that thank you so much PJ cheers that's Lorraine lovely lovely gesture getting involved in the miracle on little Hanover Street and I was seeing another update last night from Michael. And lads, we've no idea what has started here. We started with Katrina back in October, the end of October, a little bit upset because she wanted to do Christmas Day the way she normally does. And of course, she can't. And then we kind of said, well, what can we do? Can we make it happen? Not only is it going to happen, it's going to be huge. And we'll catch up with them a little closer to the time, but we are calling it the miracle of little Hanover Street. Eight on, we're going to share that picture as well. Thanks, Lorraine. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. There's another story in the news this morning that is going to get people's backs up. It really is. Do you know the way? Where's me a bit of paper? Do you know the way? I think it might be out there in the desk, Terry. Do you know the way that people developing on council land? have to pay the council to develop, okay? So if you want to build a bunch of houses on council land, you have to make a contribution. It's called the Development Contribution Scheme. And that normally applies to business and commercial and all of this. Guess what, my friends? (laughs) The Development Contribution Scheme has now been amended. And anybody living within the city bounds, looking to extend or redevelop their property by more than 40 square metres, might be liable to pay a fee. Oh, my God. So, what the, I've just finished some work on Coogan Towers. And we've had the fantastic lads from Glowntown Properties with us since August. And... According to this, I would, if this was next year, I'd have to pay the bloody council to do up my own house. Give me a flipping break here. According to this, if you live within the council bounds, I'll try and clarify this after 11, right? But if you live within the council bounds, city council bounds, you want to put an extension on your house... If it, or do any redevelopment of your house and it covers more than 40 square metres which in a decent sized house it will you're going to have to 
shell out cash to the council to do your work on your private house. They voted on it. On insurance. The insurance company needs to clamp down on the false claims. They do not investigate anything other at under a 10K claim. They just pass on the costs to others. It's been going on for years until the insurance companies are properly regulated. It will stay the same. That's a common problem has come up on the show. People call and they say, my car was damaged and it was assessed at about three or four grand and I wanted to get another assessment and while I was away getting the assessment, it got paid out. That's supposed to have stopped, but it hasn't and it has to. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Corks 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number to call the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter at opinionline96. And of course, the hashtag OL96. And the Facebook is the Corks 96FM Facebook page. Send us a message and send it to us uh, with attention for the opinion line if you would please alright thank you before we quit today I'm going to go through some of the lists of what Google is telling us was the most Googled things in 2020 there's a whole list of lists as to what was the, the most Googled thing like the most Googled people the most Googled movies, the most Googled recipes, the most Googled how to make. I'll give you those before 12 to lighten up our final hour. Also looking for your acts of kindness. Still, we talked about it this morning early on the programme about how, you know, let's teach each other, teach our children and they learn from us how to be kind. And we've got some lovely stories that come in on text, WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, wherever. And if you want to send us a WhatsApp message, by the way, please do. You can even put old Owen there in the last hour. You can see why he wasn't really in a position to, to take a call. He had screaming child issues in the background. So he just recorded a voicemail and sent it in to us. If you want to do that, you're always welcome to do it at 83 However, let me get into this one. This I heard in the news this morning. You look into it, it's been around for a bit now. But you know the way people have to pay development charges to the city council when they're developing something uh, as part of the planning process, part of the permission process and all that. You have to pay a development charge. There's a story in the Echo and it's on the radio news this morning that development charges have now been enforced or will now be enforced on some family home renovations. So doing up your own house, refurbishing your own castle, as it were, is now going to cost you money that you'll have to pay to the council. Since when is that fair, Councillor Terry Shannon? Good morning. Well, (laughs) PJ... I thought this was a be nice councillor's morning. That's a rather leading question. Whether it is fair or not, it's the, it's, it's the law of the land, and, and that's the, the issue we have here. Development charges have been around for a long time, and in fact, what happened here was uh, this was a loophole that, uh, had been, that needed to be closed because apparently it was in the previous development charges where people were charged for uh, uh, any extension over and above 40 square metres. 
And the case still is that if you're developing something under 40 square metres, there is no charge whatsoever. And that isn't the case in all local authorities. And that still applies now. So anything over the 40 square metres, if you're developing, say, 60 square metres, there's a development charge on the 20 square metres. And the vast majority of applications are of that type of a of mm. a scenario, quite honestly. Do you know what I mean? Well, the it had been there in previous development yeah. charges. For some reason, it didn't. It slipped out in the, in the, in the development charges that we've just amended and that was brought through because people who are you know building large and very large extensions and nearly doubling the size of the house weren't paying development charges and obviously that was a loss of finance to the to the council so that that's what was amended and it, right. my understanding is it came through the I'm not a member of the planning committee I'm chairman of the housing committee but it did come through the planning committee and um, it was recommended from planning and also just one thing about the article there was public consultation on these new development charges. It was advertised and all these changes were advertised at the time. There was Where? quite a lot of... It was advertised on the newspapers. It was advertised well, page on the website. 26 of Ireland only because I never saw it. Well, did you go looking for it? I shouldn't have to go looking for it, Terry. The, an advert no, 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 is no, no, supposed no, to be no, something... Hang, hang on, no, no. Biden, an no, advert no, is something... Making, PJs, you know, I... I people don't go looking to see is there a new planning regulation. There are ads on the paper and to the evening echo in the Cork Examiner every day from Cork City Council about different road closures, about different uh, uh, walks that are happening, about the development charges and it's there in the paper black and white. It's as if you go looking for it. They're there. They're advertised. In above, in, was, in near the ads from massage parlours. Come on so, Pardon? In near the ads from massage parlours. Like, it's 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 not that... Well, anyway, uh, that's, PJ, would you cop yourself on, please? Stop. <laughs> we never see stop these now. things. Stop now, let's have a serious conversation. I will. Well, let's, if you let's, look at let's the back of the evening then. echo, yeah. and if you look at the examiner, particularly on a Thursday, yeah. there are large ads from Cork City Council on a variety of issues, whether it's development charges, whether at the present time, the city, the new city development plan. Fair enough. And they, 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 these are there. Nothing happens overnight. And I know the issue in terms of, and I don't want to get involved in a personal issue in terms of the, the development in Black Rock. It's a substantial development. It's nearly three houses. You know, that, that's the difference there. And, you know, where you demolish and rebuild, that's a separate okay. and different aspect of the development charge, which was always there. Okay. Let me, let me come back to the case. start of the whole theory behind yeah. the development charge, though. And there's one big, I, I suppose, you know, development charge has its purpose in that if I'm a developer, right, and if I'm going to make a profit out of something that I make, that I do, by refurbishment or by rebuilding or by extending, and I'm going to make a profit out of it, then it stands to reason that the council might take some money off me. But if I'm redeveloping or refurbishing my own home, Terry, that's not fair. I'm not making a profit out of that. I'm going into no, debt for that. the purpose of the development charges is for development in an area. And then we have, which is separate, and one thing that I have waged war against is the supplementary. The big issue I have isn't with the development charges per se, because in the vast majority, they're small enough. It is money, though. There's no doubt about it. And look, Irish Water will charge as well for a new connection, and, and we've been down that road. The issue I have and have had for years has been the supplementary development charges, which means for anyone in, in within, for instance, a, a kilometre as the crow flies of the train station, you pay an extra charge that other people in the city don't, and that's for infrastructural development. The idea of a development charge is for enhancement of the public realm uh, and development in, a, in an area like roads and footpaths and all that kind mm. of thing. But that's you haven't we, answered my question, Terry. In, priv- in a private home, 
a person's private home, you know, a charge should only be levied, levied on something that is profitable. And, and redevelop- well, no, no, Derry, I mean, redeveloping your charges. private home is not profitable. Yeah, there are service charges, uh, uh, PJ, and uh, there have always been development charges. I mean, this isn't something new. As I say, it slipped out of the previous scheme for some reason. So, um, it, and it, that was amended to put, to, I suppose, to close that loophole as such. But if you are developing uh, your home and you have 40 square metres, which is a sizable extension, there's no charge. And so you pay the extra bit over and above that. Yeah, As no. I say, if you're doing 60 square metres, considerable extension, PJ, and if you look at the planning, what's happening, and look at the application, uh, the vast majority are extensions of that nature. Yeah. There's no charge at but all. But it also but covers not just extension, it covers refurbishment. So if you do the extension, put on the two bedrooms, for example, and you also do up the kitchen, between the two you could come over the 40, and because it's refurbishment, you'll be hit for that as well. Um, I'm not sure that's quite the case, and I can check for you, but I do know that if, and, and in, in, in the case in the paper, uh, there's quite a substantial refurb. In fact, the, the, I think just the three walls are remaining up. Uh, in the court of justice in Blackrock, yeah. That's yeah, that, that's a separate issue. I mean, that's 350 square metres. You know, that's the size of three houses, right? And that's the issue there, and it was substantially advertised in that sense. And look, the other side of this was the transition area, the new areas into the city. They have seen a 50% reduction in their development charge in terms of what they would have been charged by the county by them coming in, and we've enacted that in the new development uh, plan as well. Uh, and, and so they are now, you know, anyone who got planning but didn't start development until these schemes came in, um, recently, they will now see a 50% reduction in the charge that they would have had to pay the county in terms of what they pay to the city. And also, you know, when you pay your development charges it, within the year of construction, there's a 20% uh, reduction as well. So, you know, it, it, it is a charge and no one likes to have a charge, but it's a charge for the city council to be able to develop the public realm. Uh, and that that's what that's about. And look, we're, it's nothing new in terms of other local authorities. Some actually charge you for the 40 square metres as well. So, you know, I'm who's not to say, say 40 square metres won't become 20 as you look for more money? And how do you mean? Exactly what I asked you. It's 40 square metres at the moment. Who's to say that in a future budget it won't come down to 30? Well, or 20? no, the 40 square metres is connected to the fact that you don't need planning either, you see. If you're doing a ground floor uh, extension, for the most part, and it's under, it's 40 square metres or under, you don't need planning. Now, there's a supplement, there's, a, there's an issue there in terms of how much green space is left around the area, but generally speaking, somebody applying for a single story 40 square metre extension uh, doesn't need planning and doesn't need won't pay development charges. And for the most part, not entirely, that they're the type of applications that are, that are coming in. But look, I do understand what you're saying, and people have moved into uh, older suburbs and are doing... Um, um, They're buying older houses and doing them up. This is going to hit them too. Yeah, and look, I must say, uh, it's not something that's on my radar from anybody uh, uh, who have paid development charges in the past. I have dealt with issues where Irish Water have tried to levy extensive um, charges on people for silly reasons that we've managed to get reduced but you do pay for a connection if you're putting a new connection to the water mains and sewage you pay, yeah, you, you, do pay that. you know and, and, and yeah. that's that was previously paid to city council that's not paid to city council now that goes direct to Irish water so unfortunately like everything else there are charges but we do try to keep them to a minimum and we have a scheme that 
when you pay your development charges within the year of construction, you get a 20% right. uh, rebate. Okay. All right. All right, Terry. Thanks very much. That's Councillor Terry Shannon. He's a member of the, or the chair of the uh, Housing Committee at uh, Cork City Council. It was always there. They just never did it, kind of thing. Um, and it's only over the 40 square metres. It's on the amount over. So if you go to 50 square metres, you only pay it on the 10 square metres and whatever and etc. and blah, blah. And I still stand over what I say. Those ads on the paper for the Cork City Council. I mean, have you ever seen anyone who went back to look through the debts and the, and the classified ads to look for the council ads? Have you? I haven't. 1850-715-996. Okay, one present that a lot of youngsters will get at Christmas. Either Santa will bring it to the smallies or the teenagers will get their first or maybe an upgraded mobile phone. Thousands and thousands of mobile phones will find their way under Christmas trees over the next couple of weeks. And if it is a thing that is the first what you might call serious mobile phone coming in to the child's hands. Are they ready for it? And are you ready for them having one? Because there are a lot of things that come in with the mobile phone. Mobile phone is gone a long way from being just a way to ring, ring, the ho- ring home and say you're on your way and I'm bringing bread. It's now the computer in your hand and it can be a dangerous device in the wrong hands. Let's find out how we can prepare ourselves next. 1857-15996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96 FM. So, if you are planning to upgrade the mobile phone for one of your youngsters, or if you're going to put... If Santa is going to bring their first mobile phone to a kiddie... How do you prepare? Because it's part of your job to keep them safe. And of course, the phone can bring anything into the house. Graham Mulhern from Be Secure Online was spoken before many times. Graham, good morning to you. Hi, PJ. Uh, you're eating the red meat with the poor councillor there, giving them a hard time. <laughs> We are we up here in Wicklow, PJ. We have to pay for all this stuff. I've paid twice in the last 10 years. For what? For, for extensions to the house. 40 square metres uh, uh, in 08 and uh, uh, for 110 square foot last year for just to improve something. Paid twice. Good Perfectly God. normal. You have a great life in Cork. That's norm- the thing, PJ. You don't realize. normal about it. It's enough. Anyway, Graham, you, listen, <laughs> Mo, Santa will bring, and it's, let's focus on, on Santa first. Santa yes, will right. bring a number of mobile phones, first mobile phones to the kiddies. When, when ordering from Santa, what must the parents take into account? 
Well, what Santa uh, should do, and I'm a big fan of this, is Santa should buy the same phone as Mam or Dow already has, because particularly if you're not great with technology, don't be just buying a cheap phone because it's cheap, and then that means another system you have to get to learn. So if you've got a, a Samsung, buy a Samsung. If you've got an Apple uh, 6, 7 or 8, whatever, stick with Apple. I know it's more expensive, but at least you don't, at least you're familiar with it. So I know it's expensive, but first advice is Santi should go out and get the same phone as mom and dad already have. Okay. And then when you have that phone, when Santa's brought the phone, we do need to talk to the little ones, don't we? Yeah, and I mean, the first thing, uh, PJ, is let's start with the amount of time we're using, and we can talk about parental control uh, later. But, you know, it's it's a right, not a privilege. And uh, if you agree an hour a day, make sure the kid asks for an extra half an hour, gets up off their behind and comes to mam and asks. It's it, Don't just assume you can take it. So when they're in Among Us or Snapchat or whatever you let them play, um, uh, make sure they ask. And it, so this is a free uh, this is a free thing. You just you just set the amount of time per day, a little bit more at the weekend, and make sure they take a break, a water stop, whatever. Go out and exercise, read a book. Wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, but uh, not allowed to just go four or five hours at a at a time every night. Not good. So set a time limit and stick to it. And the kids should get up off their behind and say, Mum, I've had my hour, um, and maybe a treat of an extra 20 minutes or so once or twice a week. Now, parental controls, you, you mentioned Snapchat, and you and I have talked before about how, how bullies can, can start their horrible work through things like Snapchat. We need to protect the smallies from stuff like that. Yeah, well, uh, we're doing, we're going through the Christmas thingy at the moment, and there's a big reversal. Um, TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram is the order of preference at the moment. Uh, Snapchat's holding firm, and t- uh, Instagram is falling off a cliff with primary schools. And you wouldn't have said that two years ago. And Snapchat is is Muhammad Ali, but Georgie Best and Maradona all in one. It's it's uh, you're going to see it. Uh, it Two thirds of any class from fourth class upwards are now on TikTok. And it's it's really, really getting into gear. So my number one tip there, PJ, number one tip is in the profile, make sure your kids are controlling the admission like a really good nightclub. And it's admitted members only. Do not let your child set up their profile with an open gate. You must be uh, admitting members. And it's okay for a child to block somebody. If she doesn't want that kid on her account, um, it's friends, not followers. Friends, not followers, and keep try and keep the try and keep the groups below the number of friends in the account less than twenty or thirty if she's ten years of age. Yeah, that's it. I used to say before that that our children would would buy and sell us, Graham. But you I, did. I, I said it a hundred times. I don't think that's right. I think that's a cop out. Sometimes you know we need to we need to keep up ourselves with the technology. Yeah, and a great start would be to slide onto my website, and you'll give out the name later, uh, and buy for $2.99 our new book, How to Protect Your Kids Online. And it's got all of this stuff. And I deal with, I deal with kids, I deal with uh, uh, babies, newborns, this, that, and the other. Um, the, the win here for parents who put in now and put the effort in is kids who exercise, kids who don't go to the fridge so much, kids who eat less, kids who actually read, kids who study better, kids who play sports, which is a huge issue now. The internet is, is, is eating up sports at a hell of a rate. Yeah. 
yeah. and Jack is I know it'll help make your child not such a dull boy it'll make Jack a very bright boy the internet's great Fortnite is great but let's do it in a controlled way and yeah. make sure Jack has other interests and then you're winning online Trump speak winning winning <laughs> 10 hours in a row sitting on your backside is losing yeah there's an addictive nature too which we need which we need to watch for yeah, there is, PJ. Of course it's addictive. You know, if you go and work for Fortnite, you're paid to make it delict- addictive. It's chocolate, and they are churning out chocolate, and they want you eating their chocolate all day long. You know, the starting salary is well over 100 grand in there. They're all PhDs, and four or 5,000 up against your one child. You're going to lose. They know when to pop up the buy now buttons. Another thing, PJ, get everybody in the county tonight to switch off in-app purchasing on Fortnite. Just mm-hmm. do it. And let the child go and ask mammy. Because if, if Fortnite takes the money, they'll take 40 quid. Instead of five quid that mammy might be, when she's had, had a long day and she's sitting on the sofa having a cup of tea or da, they'll have the chance to buy five quid's worth of e-books. Mm. It's, it's up and, to us to learn the danger and teach our children, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, for, the internet is a service, but it's not your friend. Their job is to addict you. That's their job. They're winning when you're on. And when you're fresh and perky and limiting your uh, exposure to the internet, uh, you're winning. Um, because, you know, they're using the cameras, you know, the camera in, um, in Fortnite and Facebook, the little web eye, uh, and you, everyone should switch that off. You know, they're reading your face. They know when you're ready to buy by your expressions. They're building all of that AI in and they're listening. They know when you're in the mood to buy and they know when you're not. There's a good question now, Graham, that comes up from time to time. And it, it, it seems like a coincidence. But if you've got your phone open, say, on Facebook, this applies to both children and adults. But if you have your phone open on Facebook and you, you talk to someone like, oh, oh, where are we going to get the Christmas pudding this year? Is it any coincidence that an ad for a Christmas pudding will pop up on your Facebook half an hour later? Oh, you know it. You know it ain't no convincing. It's absolutely they're listening. And go and switch off the microphone on your phone and switch it off in Facebook too. And if folks don't know how to do that, tell them to go to YouTube, switch off microphone on phone, switch off microphone on Facebook, and look for a 30-second video. That's all. Otherwise, you're going to listen to a load of rubbish from an influencer. That's all you need. Look it up on YouTube and switch off the microphone. They're listening and they're selling. That's their job. Two years ago, I would have called you a tinfoil hatter for saying something like that. But I think our eyes have been opened now. They are listening and they are learning from us and they're they're turning our own minds against us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, PJ, you wouldn't, every day of the week I hear people throwing, oh, Graham, I swear to God, the Internet's listening. Of course it's bloody listening. That's how they're making their money. They're, we're, they're two steps ahead, and they're way ahead of the legislators. The legislators on Dáil Éireann, they're going to be years sorting all of this out. So the Department of Education hasn't even got a program for the schools. So we're, 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 we're being left behind. But mm-hmm. common sense is put your thinking hat on, switch the, buy a, buy, put a bit of tape on, make sure you don't rip the eye off your phone or your thingy, or even better, buy one off my website, buy a web camera, switch off the microphones, stop them following you and listening to you. And uh, th- this isn't uh, 1984. This is what they're doing right now in 2020. And they're doing it all day long. 
BeSecureOnline.ie is the website, Mugahimel. That, that's her, yeah. And if you watch the banners at the top, please buy the two ninety nine book because we're putting it up to eight ninety nine at the weekend. And by the, all the tips that people need, but any advice that people go to, they should you And just tell people over Christmas, just go to YouTube and type in the question you want. Switch off microphone Facebook and they'll tell you in 10 seconds. There is a, there is a video there, definitely. And I also a, a, a documentary that I would recommend, and I'm sure you would too, it was on network Netflix. Yeah. Uh, it's there called the social dilemma. It will frighten the life out of you. Yeah, and by the way, we have to get with this uh, PJ because there ain't going to be any more shelf stacking jobs. That's all going to be done by computers. We're already computers are milking our cows. There, we're going to have self driving drones. There are going to be fewer jobs unless you're savvy to all of this and on the side of the internet and winning with the internet. All right, Graham. We'll talk again. Have a good Christmas and a good twenty twenty one. Cheers, old friend of the opinion line, Graham Mulhern, BeSecureOnline.ie. Yes, he is selling. He is selling something to you, but he knows his onions. There's something now. And I I asked him that deliberately because I've noticed it happening a few times recently. I have my phone open on the table and I'm chatting to the Queen Bee about something. And as I said, we've been doing a little bit of work in the house, so we're looking, where are we going to go and get a few bits of tiles or maybe a bit of bathware or something like that? And you mentioned something like, say, for for argument's sake, you mentioned, where did we get that bit of architrave from? Right? And before you know it, there's an ad on the Facebook for bits of doors and architraves and that kind of builders, providers. It's listening. 1850-715-996. And it's the best bit of advice from Graham from that conversation. If Santa is bringing a phone to the Smallies, get Santa to bring the same phone to the Smallies as you have. Because you know your phone. And at least when the Smallie gets a phone, it's not some thing you have to sit down and learn. You already know how it works. Great bit of advice. So if Santa's bringing the Smalley's first phone, make sure Santa brings the same phone as Mammy or Daddy has. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. On Christmas Day, Cork's 96FM wants to bring you a little closer to those who can't make it home. Here we go. Join Shane Bucks from 11am for our Christmas Day Cracker. We want to speak to your nearest and dearest, wherever they are in the world. So, if you know someone who's up for a chat, then get in touch. Email the details to reception at 96fm.ie. The Christmas Day Cracker from 11am, only on Cork's 96fm. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96 FM. Speaking of what Google is listening to you and on that, I must give you the lists before we finish today of the most Googled things of the last year. The Sun has a whole panel of them on page 10 this morning, but there's loads of different ones. What I'll give you before we finish today is the most Googled living people of the year, the most Googled dead people of the year, 
the most Googled overall things of the year. I'll give you those and the recipes. Because strangely enough, banana bread doesn't figure in the recipes. Give you those before we pack it in uh, just before 12. Last chance then to hear our audio clue with Corrib Oil today. Three 500 euro Corrib Oil gift cards to give away at the end of the week. They're a perfect practical gift for anyone this Christmas. You can get them from Corrib Oil, your local low-cost home heating oil supplier. Find them on the website corriboil.com or at Station Road Ballancolig. We have a quote from a Christmas movie. I want to know what the movie is. And your name, of course, to 083 396 96 96. This is an unusual one today. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best you ever had. Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. Will we go one more? Because it is an unusual one. It's got nothing to do with Christmas, but it's a Christmas movie. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best you ever had. Britney Spears. Wow. No, only kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. Looking for a qualifier for Corrib Oil. 1850-715-996. I was telling Terry this morning early the, the history of Cher. The wonderful, wonderful Cork, uniquely Cork charity organisation made up of school-going children. And how it started and where it came from. I was telling Terry this morning, this morning early. The, the meaning of it, for example, is students harnessing aid for care of the elderly going back for for relief of the elderly rather students harnessing aid for relief of the elderly and it all started back in the 70s under the guidance of a wonderful man called brother Jerome Kelly and it's now into its 50th year and remember it's all youngsters who do the fundraising and they only do a fundraiser for 10 days before Christmas. They do no other fundraisers in the course of the year. And those of us who support and who love Share were worried that it might not be able to go ahead this year for obvious reasons. It is going ahead, and that is great. It is going ahead. Now, Fiona has been down with the Share team, the students. They went to Knockwilla in Shandon Street on Tuesday to deliver some Christmas dinner to the elderly residents in their home. Normally there'd be a big Christmas dinner in the Share Day Centre on Shear Street, but that can't happen this year because of COVID which is sad. But the, the students will be collecting using modern technology. And of course you can donate online. But Fiona has been finding out more. Patrick, just tell me a little bit about how you ended up here at Well, uh, my road to here started on the 10th of March last year when I was in the region of the Cork University Hospital yeah. with a heart attack. And I had another heart attack out there and died. Yes. And, and you're uh, still here to tell me. I still yet to brought me back, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, I was in and out of the hospital about eight times since... And uh, since I came up here, I haven't been in hospital or needed anything. Living up here, it means an awful lot to me. And share means a lot to me. And do the share students call in to you? They do. They do. They call in every Friday afternoon. Yes, they're here. They're wonderful. And I see them sweeping out there and everything to keep the place nice and tidy, you know. And do they just call in for a chat? They do. No, they stand outside. They don't come in. 
But they stand outside, and if it's cold, I don't keep them too long, you know. Yeah. Let them move on and <laughs> <laughs> get a job done. <laughs> yes. And obviously this year now you're going to be here for Christmas, so yes. what does that mean? Uh, it it doesn't mean an awful lot of change for me. I'm, uh, I don't do anything special. I, in fact, I, the only special thing I've done this year is put up lights in the window. Christmas lights, you know. Yeah. yeah. And the share students are delivering a dinner here to you today. Yeah, yes, I believe. But I do all my own cooking. There's a sure. lovely kitchen and bathroom out there. Yes. So the house is nice here, it's all It is, there. yes. Oh, God, it's, it's, it's wonderful, yes. Because uh, all I had in the last place, I lived there for 33 years, was a bedsit. Yeah. And shared it and the shower was upstairs so I couldn't go up the stairs for about five years and the toilet was out in the backyard which was very inconvenient. Ed Lynch. So Ed, just tell me, how long have you been living up here at Canuckfer and Shannon Street? All a month. And what's it like living here? Just around here. There were no messing or that, no messes around and you know everyone there and is there a sense of community here? Yeah. Everybody watches over everyone. So what did it mean to you to get one of these houses? Well, it meant everything. You know, you're looked after by the people around there and, you know, they do everything for you. Well, the students are called and they actually don't want, do want anything to shop. But I go to shop myself. You like to have a bit of independence, oh, too? Yeah. <laughs> I'd want to be kind of. We have to help him out. <laughs> I'll leave shots of wheelchair. <laughs> I'd want that kind of carry on at all. But it must be good to have the students coming up and being able to engage with you and have that conversation. And... But there comes everyone there. Mm. And they ask, do you want anything to shop? Do have the anything to be done out the back, so, you know, clean up from them? Mm. And they're very good, the old students coming around. They're coming in today now to deliver a Christmas dinner to you. Yeah, just what's come today. And what does it, like? What does Christmas mean to you? So I mean, like, is it? Will it be different this year because you're with this community here? Oh, it would be. Yeah, it would be. Like before, I was only me on up there, and I you know, you know. Mm. They had no one around me. What's your own name? Jim Watkins. Jim Watkins Catering. What's you. on the menu, lads? Turkey and ham. Uh, they're getting turkey and ham, and we have salmon for those who don't want turkey and ham. And uh, then we have uh, Christmas pudding and uh, a rum, rum sauce, and we have a trifle for them. The trifle then is packed so that they can uh, they can eat it tomorrow because they might be. See, normally we'd be serving below in share. Yeah. And. People go with extra veg and they go with extra meat. We can't do that. We can't have the kids going in different rooms, yeah. you know? So, and then we give them the Christmas pudding and the girls and, and the boys then will go out with bowls of trifle. But what we've done is we pack the trifle so that they can eat it tomorrow. Uh, Luke. Luke. Henson. And Sean Barrett. So guys, how does it feel to be here today giving out the Christmas dinners to the elderly people? Uh, it's great, yeah, you know, we're doing what we can with, you know, the tools that we've been given. Uh, Share is, you know, that's really what Share is all about, just giving back to the community. 
uh, and we're just happy we can do that even d during COVID. Yeah, because normally you'd have the big gathering, big Christmas dinner for them in, in Shear Street in the day centre, so you can't do that this year, so that's why you're up here today. Yeah, well, it's just about doing what we can, you know, obviously we'd prefer to be doing the, the, the big party, but, you know, this is all we really can do, so we're going we're gonna to go ahead and do it. Do you see the big smiles on their faces? They're all happy to just see people, like, because a lot of them have been isolated for the past six, seven months without seeing people, so it makes you happy. It's just giving back, because, like... You, you know they'd have loved it, like, and seeing that and makes them happy, makes us happy. It's strange for you guys seeing other years with the share um, people at Christmas time and everything that they've done, and then this year you join when we're in the middle of a pandemic. Has it been a strange Yeah, experience? it's definitely not what I was expecting, but sure, like, it's what you do, it's all you can do. Like, it's def the meaning's definitely there a lot more. Like, How can people support share this year? Um, well, it, it is a crisis, so people are more are more happy to give back because they know that we're struggling this year, and it is this year more important than any other year, uh, especially being the fiftieth anniversary of Share. It's it, it is a big year for us, and and we are we are struggling, and people seem to notice that because they want to give back to us. We also um, have tap boxes on the streets this year, so people so people who um, don't have the the cash to give, but they have a card, they can just tap their card, and it's just a we'll have fifty on the streets, along with fifty tap boxes at the same time. Uh, Sive's Slattery. And uh, Sive, um, how does it feel to be here today dishing out the Christmas dinners to the elderly in their homes? Um, well, it's really spe special, especially this year because of COVID and they haven't had a lot of families up to visit them. And when we come in with the dinners, they're all delighted and really happy. So it's nice to see them smiling. Some of them have been telling me that you guys come up here every week and, you know, clean up the area and stuff. And it means a lot to them. It must mean a lot to you guys too. Yeah, definitely. It's really nice to be able to help help them and come up and do some gardening for them or do some shopping. Yeah. And why did you decide to become a member of Share this year? Um, I decided to become a member this year because... I, it's I know how special it is and how the how much meaning it has, especially here in Cork, and it's the 50th anniversary this year, and um, yeah, I just really wanted to come up and help. And how has it been so far? It's really good so far. Um, we've been only up a few weeks, but I think the difference that's made already is really big. Yeah, yeah. So we'll still have our stickers, or will we have our stickers? I wonder. But we'll have the boxes, and there'll be tap boxes, which is just. Brilliant. Share coming at you on the 14th of December in the run-up to Christmas. A real part of Christmas in Cork. And uh, they're 50 years on the go today. And here's hoping that they have a bumper Christmas. We'll do those lists, all right? Um, the things that were most Googled this year. Now, the most Googled living people, all right? The most Googled living people. The top five. Donald Trump at five. Philip Schofield at four. Kim Jong-un at three. Boris Johnson at two. And Joe Biden was the most Googled living person of 2020. Actually, Phil Hogan was at number seven. And Katie Taylor was at number nine. The most Googled people no longer with us in 2020. At five, George Floyd. At four, Marion Finucane. At three, Naya Rivera. At two, Kobe Bryant. And at one, the most Googled person no longer with us this year, Caroline Flack. You remember that story. Actually, Jack Charlton made the top ten. So did John Hume. And Keelan Shanley, the lovely Keelan Shanley. And the 
most Googled recipes, and I love this because banana bread isn't in it. Soda bread was at five, apple tart at four, pizza dough at three, scones at two, and brown bread at number one, the most Googled recipe. Uh, the recipes for strawberry daiquiri and margaritas also featured. Well, the top five most Googled things of the whole year. All right. Number five, CNN. Number four, the Premier League. Number three, Caroline Flack. You'd wonder where coronavirus is coming in. It's not number one. It's number two. Number two, the most Googled thing of 2020. I'll hold the number one until I talk first to Anne. Hi, Anne. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good. You were in Little? I was in Little in Churchfield. What happened to you? Uh, two weeks ago. And uh, my first time out after being trolley, you know, we're cocooning a long time. Yeah. And I got my messages, got them up on the trolley and everything. And I knew no more. I was on the ground after collapsing. Oh, dear. My two friends, not my friends, Somebody was bringing me around, but I didn't know who they were. Two lovely ladies got onto the paramedics. They were out of five minutes, the nurses, and got onto my husband. And the attention that those two ladies gave me was unbelievable. My sad thing about it is we got, my husband got a phone number that he can't find to get onto them. And we think they were working in the para, the, Padre Pio up in Churchfield somewhere. Oh, school, yeah. But we had no names to tell okay. them what they'd done for me on that evening. Well, if anybody can remember, to, if you are one of the two people who work in Padre Pio School, you helped a lady two weeks ago in Lidl and Holly Hill. She wants to say thank you. They got a thank you. They got a follow up to me up to my house with a doctor, another, another ambulance, which thank God I didn't have to go to hospital. And I just wish I could say something nice to them. Well, if they're, li- if they're listening, you've just done I, so. And thanks for getting on to me, PJ. Delighted, and thank you very much. Helen's got one more quick story, something happening lovely down in Yall. What's up? Helen, what Hi, is it? Hi, PJ. Hi. Well, we've just done a thing with business cards in Yall. We got reached out to all the people in Yall to send um, Christmas card to all the residents, which are about 400 residents in all the residential homes. Brilliant. And they've all been sent out. We've sent... 260 selection boxes to penny dinners. Oh, brilliant. And yeah, and we've also, we're also now collecting for 100 residents in a residential home. And is this just ordinary them. people getting together? Yes. Wow. Just ordinary people getting together, and we just ask on Facebook, and we have these things, and the people of you all just donate. What's the Facebook page? Our own Facebook pages. What is it called, Helen? It's my own Facebook page, it's Helen Heafy Grange. Helen Heafy Grange, that's brilliant. That's 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 lovely generosity and kindness coming out of y'all. I know that we're absolutely flying through these before we finish today. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Anne. Now, Adele, I need to know what this movie is very quickly. Here we go. Ask me anything you like, I'll tell you the truth. The best you ever had. Britney Spears. Wow. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what is it, Adele? Hi, DJ. It's Love Actually. It is Love Actually. You're a qualifier with Cara Boyle for Friday. We'll talk to you hopefully about 5 to 12 Friday when you might win one of three 500 euro Carab Oil vouchers. That's Edel O'Flynn from Middleton. That's our lot for today. The most Googled thing of 2020 was, not coronavirus, the US general election. I'm telling you. Edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. We'll see you tomorrow just after nine. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.